What is it? Billy. What the hell is wrong with you? Welcome to the Fear of God podcast. We're so excited that you are here. We are listening to the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. Typically with you is one Mr. Nathan Rouse, who has been beefing up his muscles very big with his CrossFit. And then there's one Mr. Reed Lackey, whose arms look like little baby birch trees but he's still he's been looking he's been reading so much and been building up his brain power typically they're with you typically they're here but they're not here right now they're not here maybe maybe something happened maybe they maybe they got sick it's not a tumor it's not a tumor uh but don't worry don't worry because they'll be back that's true. Um, so what you need to do in the meantime is you need to go and you need to subscribe to the iTunes. Wherever you have <laughs> your podcasts, you need to go and subscribe to it. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Show them how much you love them. You should do it. You should do it. Do it now. Do it now because it's here. It's right. It's right here. It's right here. Go on. Get to the podcast. Get to the podcast. Get to the podcast. <laughs> You stupid idiot. Oh, my gosh. I will I will pat you on the back next time I see you because that was commitment. And I am impressed and I'm proud to know you. Wow. Oh wow. I don't know the next time we're going to wow. cover an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. And my impression is... T- is terrible. But I think Arnold Schwarzenegger... But your like- commitment is, is amazing. <laughs> like, I mean... My, my impression is so bad of it. It's really bad. But I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, like... Like uh, William Shatner and uh, maybe Sean Connery, it's like it. It almost doesn't matter how awful right, your right. impression is. It's just it's everybody knows what you're doing, and it's kind of just the thing. So yes, so I, for a minute there, I really thought Arnold was here with us. <laughs> I mean, oh, I've been. I was out. blown away. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I meant, I meant, I meant vocally. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, you know, I do, I do think what's amazing about this movie we cover, we're covering today, and we'll get to that, is, you know, Carl Weathers is in it, and Arnold, they greet each other in this movie, and I was like, how did they know that's how Reed and I greet each other? Uh, every single you time. Know? Like, every single, every time. single time. We just do this, like, homoerotic stare down. Yeah, this big, yeah. Where it's like, big, like muscle. We arm wrestle each other. Uh, <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. His apex <laughs> got to push it too many pencils. Oh, my God. All right. Oh so welcome God. back, ladies and gentlemen. It is another <laughs> fun-filled uh, episode of the Fear of God podcast. You can tell we are showing our age. Um, <laughs> and our stupidity, <laughs> evidently. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, your stupidity. Um, wow. So, wow. Wow, Reed. <laughs> it's not the first time he'll show up in this podcast, okay? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. So, what do we need to talk about? So, we are... Oh, Reed. We're in the middle of the Monster Mash. The podcast series and the mashup of the century. It yes. is time for some Mortal Kombat! I don't think I'm even going to put any music on that. <laughs> yeah, one. I'm don't. just going to let just finish, yours finish him. Do yes. the thing. Reed, um, we are back at it. It is like it is getting nasty out in this oh, in this man. Uh, there's these some fights. There's some rough pairings and I got to say as much as I adore our listeners and God knows I do love our listeners like some of these some of these some they're of these dead fights, wrong on. Let's oh, be honest, man. they are wrong. Yeah, they chose some, poorly. Some of these are, are are brutal. Some of my favorites are just going down. But you know what? That's that's part of what we did. Is we were like we want listeners to decide. So um, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start this time around. I'll go with slashers. I'll go with our slashers, and then you can. Oh, uh, you can with the what? Slashers. Um, <laughs> sounds like I'm sneezing. Right there, it's like slashers. <laughs> slashers time. It's time for the slashers of Monster Mash. Who is that? Who is that that I'm that you're doing? I don't know. Just pick somebody. I don't know. That's a, that's a... <laughs> I was wondering that at the top of the episode. Who was that that you were doing? Uh, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, speaking All of right, which, slash, uh, yeah, slash so, it, Reed. It's gonna get bloody up in here. Well, we're, we're gonna welcome back our special guest announcer, Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, is gonna my. do all of the slashers oh, for my. us. So, so so if you don't like what I'm doing right now then you should skip forward like two minutes because it's gonna go the whole time. So Wow This is, this is <laughs> Wow. So first of all we had Michael Myers from the Halloween and he's going up against Jason Voorhees from Friday the thirteenth, but the winner the winner, the ultimate winner is Jason Voorhees. Man, that's a sweet world. Like, I really wanted Michael Myers to win that. <laughs> no, but he didn't because he's a little sissy man and Jason Voorhees <laughs> squashed him so badly. So it's like, like it's like it's Arnold mixed with Hans and Franz from SNL. It's like there's <laughs> it's all a big swirl, which I know is meant to be an homage to Arnold, and it's just weird how it's all just kind of know, bleeding together. Because I, I, I clearly didn't practice this. I just thought, you know what? I'll just do this. So uh, and, uh, you're, so, and yeah. you are. Yeah, so there it is. Oh, Alright, so now with the next mashup, we've got Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre going up against Pinhead from Hellraiser. And the winner, too, which was a very big surprise, it was an upset victory for Pinhead from Hellraiser. What? Pinhead. Pinhead won? Yes, yeah, Pinhead. What is going on? I don't even face. know what is happening. I know, it's so surprising. I'm just like, man, I thought Leatherface was just an absolute shoe in, but no, like. 
Pinhead swooped in, like by a wide margin. Like I was surprised at how few votes Leatherface got, and I'm like, well, I know people took the survey, so I know they're reading both options. But yeah, no, no, Pinhead, Pinhead won that. Okay, uh, take it away, Arnold. Maybe what they read was, "Who are you?" And they're like, "I'm a Pinhead." The shut up, Nathan. So listen. <laughs> so for the God. next little mashup, we've got. Chucky from Child's Play going up against Patrick Bateman from the American Psycho. He is an American Psycho, but he did not win this mashup. This is Chucky all the way. It's Chucky from Child's Play. He just got the better of him. His dynamite comes in small packages, and Chucky just won. He won this matchup. And so the next matchup, the last of the slashers matchup, is going up against the tall man. I'm a tall man, but this is the tall man from Phantasm. And from Phantasm, he's going up against the Creeper from the Jeepers Creepers, a really creepy guy. But no, instead, (laughs) the tall man from Phantasm vanquished the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers. So there's a lot of affection going in for the tall man at Phantasm, and he won this. He won this matchup. Now, quickly, as quickly as you can, get to the podcast. God. So remind me. Now you know how this feels, Nathan. Who are the pairings you just left us with, Arnold? (laughs) <laughs> okay, so no, I'll take over. Arnold left. He had another movie to shoot, so um, okay. or another or another state to govern. So, um, so yeah, next week is going to be Jason Voorhees versus Pinhead, and Chucky from Child's Play versus the Tall Man from Phantasm. So those are the four. Mm. Um, since we did this last week, like I'll go ahead and, and get my pick. Now that there's like an underdog, God knows I love me some Jason, but now that there's an underdog, I kind of want to see Pinhead take this whole thing. I think that would be interesting. I think it would be interesting if, of all of those who were up here, the one she that ultimately rose to the top was Pinhead. Jason versus who? Jason versus Pinhead. So it's Jason Voorhees and from Chucky Friday the 13th. Chucky versus And the Chucky Creeper. versus, no, the tall man from Phantasm. Creeper oh, lost. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Creeper lost. Well, the tall man versus Chucky seems appropriate. Like that's Yeah, you got the tall man versus the short man. Yeah, it's... Right, right, right. Yeah, it's absolutely right. right. Um, yeah. All right, so, so why don't you go ahead and take us into the spirits? Hmm. <laughs> I don't even want to try it. I, I can't. I mean, I want to try it, but I don't want to try it. You should try it. <laughs> no, it's all right. Now, see, I'd feel like I'd have to. I can't. Pe- I have pe- to pe- try pe- it. I have to try it, Reed. Pe- pe- the spirits. The spirits got to go. Oh. <laughs> There's ectoplasm flying everywhere, Reed. Oh. <laughs> The first fight between the ancient ones from Cabin in the Woods versus Zool. The winner is the ancient ones, Reed. The ancient ones. I don't understand why the oh. 80s icons are not winning. I don't I am, I am flabbergasted. <laughs> so the next pairing is the devil in Rosemary's Baby versus the demon from also known as Normal Activity. The normal activity loses, and it's Rosemary's baby. <laughs> I love how piece by piece Arnold's turning Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it happened with you. You said Patrick Patrick Bateman. You were like, oh, Patrick Bateman. Papa Bateman. Bateman. Bill Bateman. Oh, my oh, gosh. In the next category, read, it is Samara from The Ring versus Fate slash Death. From Final Destiny. I can't even do it. I don't even know what I'm saying. My laven. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. It's so hot in North Carolina. In oh, Austria, man. it is not so bad. Oh man. Get to the end, Rouse. 
All right. So the final matchup is the Exorcist. Oh, what did you call him? Zabazi. What is the Exorcist monster's name? Read. Zabazi. What is his name? It's Pizazu. Pizazu. Pizza night on Friday, Pizazu. Uh, Pizazu versus Jimmy. Read. Jimmy wins. Jimmy oh. takes all. Oh. I, I really, really need Jimmy to win this whole thing. Ooh, that, would, that would make up for Beetlejuice's loss. Oh, that would make man. up for... Come on, y'all. The Ancient Ones versus Zool, and you pick the Ancient Ones? Wow. That hey, don't, now, make don't beat no up the sense. listeners. Come on. Don't beat them up. Besides, there were I'll plenty beat of- up anyone! <laughs> there were plenty of <laughs> listeners. That was barely, by the way. That was like... So those two fights, uh, we didn't... The, the, most of them were by a pretty wide margin, but the fight between Pazazu and Jimmy uh, for Exorcist versus <laughs> It, it Follows... <laughs> Exorcist versus It Follows, like, that was a very small... Like, It Follows won by, like, 52%. It was a really small margin and then the um the winner of the um oh gosh why am i blanking ancient ones ones, yeah ancient ones versus zool it was the same same exact thing like zool only barely lost lots of people voted for zool but uh yeah just one you know one or two more people voted for ancient ones and so that that tipped it put it over let it not be said i can't that i don't succumb to peer pressure because i do (laughs) succumb to peer pressure i am easily manipulatable easily (laughs) easily manipulated Oh, so read. We are. Ju- oh wait, nope, not no, there yet. Not what yet you there. watching? <laughs> what are you reading? Read. What are you? What reading? are you? What are you listening to? <laughs> ah. When you <laughs> when you don't get the voice, just just yell. Just. <laughs> just <laughs> just <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm so sweaty. Try to clear your throat if you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god i'm sweating in my headphones <clears throat> oh man that's hilarious um so uh yeah so so what i'm what i'm watching actually it's it's what i'm reading this time around so you know and i don't think i've talked about it on the podcast yet but you know i recently became a subscriber to one uh mr marvel unlimited it's not a mister he's not a person but it's uh but it's it's a bunch of zeros and ones it's a bunch of zero is binary code so yeah i um basically subscribed to marvel nice. unlimited nice much at your recommendation much at your suggestion so listeners if you don't know what this is uh, i'm just gonna i know you nathan know what this is because you're the one who told me about it but listeners if you don't know what this is it's a digital app and it's a subscription service called marvel unlimited and it's it's kind of almost exactly what its title implies for a subscription service that at the moment, uh, as of this recording is nine 99 a month or pay for a whole year for like 70 bucks, which is winds up breaking down to less than six bucks a month. Um, you can, uh, have access digitally as long as it is at least six months old to the entire Marvel. Uh, comics. The, almost, almost the entire. Yeah. Enough. I mean, I, Enough so that you probably aren't really going to miss anything. But yeah, yes, I mean, there's a, nothing so far. Trove. There's nothing I've searched for that I haven't found. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff out there. I'm sure there is. But so far, I have not been able to like in, in looking up because I'm a nerd. I, I looked up the stuff you recommended to me. I looked up like, oh, what's the best comic series of all time or comic issues of all time uh, in Marvel? And like, they're all there. Like yeah. whatever, yeah. anything that That's I've great. searched for, I've located. And um, and so it's fantastic. Like they're all there. Um, it's is again. I would highly recommend. What I did was I saved up for a few weeks 
to pay for the subscription service uh, for a year. I just bought the year, and now you know I'm I'm on about month two. Uh, I've got about ten more months of just however many comics I can Marvel comics specifically, but however many of them I can absorb. So I so I mean I feel like I feel like you just like want to be asked this read. Like, well, what are you reading? Oh. <laughs> what, what are you reading? Well, so so I'm only again I'm only just getting. Started. What if you were like, no, I haven't I haven't really read anything no, yet. I just no 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 I just so, subscribed. So the very first thing that I started with, just because I wanted to reread these series following Avengers Infinity War, it was kind of one of my favorite Avengers stories that I've ever read was actually uh, the version called The Ultimates. Um, Right. And so I wanted to reread Ultimates 1 and Ultimates 2, so I reread those. And then I went on, uh, because I was so fond and affectionate for the film Logan, I had never read the Old Man Logan series. So I went and read... Same same writer, Mark Millar. Yeah, Mark Millar. Is it Millar or Miller? Because it's with an A. But at any rate, yeah. <laughs> so, but I went and read Old Man Logan. Although, and 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 I might go here soon, if not next. I just found out that that they revived that series as an ongoing series, and the first several issues yeah. are written by Jeff Lemire and right. or Lemire, whatever. Again, names. But yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm wanting to. I love that guy. So I'm be, really curious be, to check be, it out. Be mindful, the current Old Man Logan. So Miller. His old man Logan was meant as just like a maxi series that happened to take place during the Wolverine run. Um, that's sure. kind, kind of untethered to other things. Uh, Lemire, Lemire's, and it's continued past him's old man Logan is a bit Lemire'd in Marvel current continuity. So, so you may uh, have a, you, you, okay. you may, tri- you may trip a little bit here and there just trying to figure out what on earth is going on. Um, but nonetheless, it's, it's the same notion of, because for all the mar for all the you know this is wow i didn't know we were going to dive into like 30 minute marvel conversation but i'm happy to um <laughs> you know marvel the publisher until just recently about a year and a half two years ago killed the present day james howlett wolverine and then old man logan entered the time stream via the secret war storyline holy cow i'm a nerd um, <laughs> no it's great i love it i love and, it and entered present day marvel comics well now i'm not up to this because i also only read marvel unlimited at six months behind and some of the stuff where this has happened i haven't read yet but the the james howlett wolverine who died is now back because it's comics and blah 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 um because <laughs> comics <laughs> that said it's funny you're reading ultimates um well, i, I have them. right right i have a fond memory for those in a in a random snake eating its tail kind of scenario for people who aren't this nerdy the ultimates predates the MCU by 12 or 15 years. Um, Mm -hmm. and in it, the artist, Brian Hitch fashions, the Nick Fury of the ultimates storyline after Samuel L. Jackson and thus, which beget, which, you know, uh, life or art, uh, Mm -hmm. then Samuel L. Jackson gets cast as Nick Fury. Well, then the ultimate universe is dispensed with. And in the present Marvel universe, they've re, refashioned Nick Fury as a black man. It's, it's, it's comics. It's crazy. Wow. So it's, it's really wild. Yeah. Yeah. Stop at ultimates Two. do not read past that. You will regret having done so. Um, I, I've, I've heard that. So here's yeah. what's interesting. You said 12 to 13 years and I'm uh, not trying to be a jerk ring yeah. bell, but I was just curious. So the first ultimates is uh, publication date is 2002. So it was only like six years before Iron Man. If I'm, if I'm remembering Iron Man's publication correctly, uh, ultimates volume one is Oh two. Yeah, Ultimates Volume One is is publication date is O two. 
Okay, yeah, because Ultimates as a comic line began our senior year of college because Ultimate Spider-Man led the way. Okay, yep. Yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man led the way. Um, regardless, yes, it does predate yeah. it such that it, there's far enough in advance that Nick sure. uh, Samuel L. as Nick Fury was inspired by the inspiring of him and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, um, so one final note on the Marvel yeah. thing. So, uh, I reread the uh, original Civil War saga on oh, yeah. for, on Fourth of July. <laughs> so uh, oh, wow. n- not out of any sort of like whatever, but I was just like, oh yeah, I, I remember loving this story. Although it's it's heartbreaking what happens to Captain America in that story. But um, so yeah, I I read like uh, for for much of the surrounding fourth uh, of july holiday i just had a lot of comic reading time and i read like yeah. 60 60 issues that's amazing so, i love yeah. it and i'm proud to know you um, <laughs> what's funny about the weird common thread through many of those you just named i would have to revisit ultimates in my memory they are very strong but i've come to mm, i've come to have a lot less affection for mark miller than i did 15 years ago or yeah whenever all of those were happening like, I, I'm not a big fan of his um, yeah. these days. So anyway, that's kind of random aside. But um, and I didn't even put together. I, I read those because of my memory of them. I didn't even put together that he's just the writer for all those. It's like I didn't yeah. seek out his material. That's so right, funny. right, right. I'm, right. I'm realizing because he did moment, Civil like, War also. Yeah, I'm, I'm just realizing that. I'm like, holy cow, that's him all over it. Like, yeah. wow, that's really interesting. Well, that era, though, Bendis and Millar were just all over the Marvel Just everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm wanting to go to some Daredevil stuff next, if I or maybe. There's y- lots of places to go. N- no, don't maybe that. Just do it. <laughs> just, just do it. The, just go the to, man go without Daredevil. fear. Yeah. It's funny. I, I really didn't know you were going to Marvel Unlimited your what you're watching reading, um, because... Uh, my what you're watching is a little bit of a Marvel two and one, which is a really deep cut Marvel reference there. Um, especially for where I'm going with this. Um, one, I did watch Deadpool two recently. Um, oh, I still haven't seen that. Did you see the first one? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't have a ton of, uh, like I'm not the target audience for Deadpool, the comic character. I, I like Ryan Reynolds enough to, to venture and I know the character is a passion of his. I did enjoy the first one. Um, the second one is good. Like there's they kind of aim for some emotionality that feels I'm not the person who's like, well that's not the character. You right, know, right, right, right. The, in in the right writer's hands, a character can kind of do just about anything within mm-hmm. reason. It's it has less to do with me thinking that's not the character Deadpool and more to more me thinking like I don't know that that's the tone Something happens at the very beginning of the movie that it takes about 30 minutes for the movie to recover from. Oh, uh, interesting. Because it kind of leaves you more like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, anyway, so other than that, which which is a big potential ding against the movie, there is a lot to like in Deadpool 2. It's very similar tonally to the first one. Um, Reynolds, you know, continues to kind of, uh, pardon the, the, the pun here, kill it with that character. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's, you know, I, I, I would not, it will not make a best of the year list for me, but I'm not displeased to have watched it. So it was worthwhile. Sure. Um, the other one is, um, Hulu's Freeform. Yeah. Just uh-huh. started Cloak and Dagger. I don't know if you know Ooh, anything about it, this. It's on my DVR. I haven't started it yet, but yeah, I'd like to. So I was really skeptical um i like the characters of cloak and dagger um in fact one of the very first comic books i ever owned 
was a Marvel team up. It's got a black, I can picture in my head. It's got a black frame around the cover and Spider-Man and cloak and dagger on either side of him. Um, one of the first comics I ever owned, probably published in like the early eighties. And so I always have liked those characters, but when you pitch a cloak and dagger out there, knowing Marvel's tenuous TV track record, I'm just not, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not discounting it, but I'm not sure. Well, I started to see really positive praise for it. So I thought, yeah. oh, I'll give this I'll give this a shot. So thus far, I've watched the first two episodes. When I stopped, there were four available. I imagine there's probably five or six or seven now, mm. but I've only watched the first two. I was very taken with the pilot. Um, mm. Like I would like I would heartily recommend watching the pilot. The second one is a, is, is good. Uh, I'm not saying it's not, but for my skepticism, I really appreciated what they do with the pilot. It's almost got this like, I know this is an easy reference that a lot of people use for a long time. It's got a little bit of a Friday Night Lights kind of like teens, teens done right kind of TV. Oh, okay. You know, sure. Kind yeah, of yeah, feel yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, even though they don't fully fledge out their power sets and whatnot in the first episode, there are a couple of, there's one specific image that they execute on screen to invoke cloaks visual. Oh, that, okay. That when it happens, I was like, okay, that's oh, pretty, awesome. that's, it's, it's a pretty awesome moment um, for them to be able to pull it off. And so anyway, all that to say, I've watched the first two episodes. I did really enjoy them. I will, I am planning to re-enter the world of Tyrone and Tandy. Um, so yeah, uh, the only reason I haven't gone forth is just time, but I do yeah. like what I've seen so far and would easily recommend that. Nice. So yeah. Nice. So yeah, it's just a, it's just a whole Marvel mini episode of whole what you're bunch watching. of Marvel stuff. Yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of Marvel stuff. So, uh, so that's been another edition of What's You Watching? What's You Reading? What's You Listening To? Now get to the podcast. Wow. That's wow. the last time I'm going to say that. Get to the conversation, Nathan and Reed. You prattle on. Your lips just, just flap open like this just can't see you waving nothing like nothing that. coming out but inanity Ooh, inanity good job <laughs> yeah it's a good word um so ladies and gentlemen we are jumping both feet both arms bodies biceps sweatiness back into the thick of the monster mash we are on episode two last week we tentatively dipped our toes in the water of jaws and they got bit clean off um <laughs> This week, Reed, we are discussing that 80s homage to musculature and machismo and just a hint of homoeroticism. Kindergarten cop. That being <laughs> ew, that being <laughs> wow. the Predator. Um, so we are what we we did watch and are talking about Predator. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off here, Riri. Do do it. Go for it. I had seen Predator. The Predator? No, just no, Predator. Just Predator. Right, the right, Predator. Right. So, in fairness, the one that is on the Be cusp, fair. Be fair. But the one that is on the horizon that trailers have been released for and everything is called The Predator. So, this original gotcha. one is just Predator, but there's one coming out. In so, the then when we refer to the creature in Predator, it, are we going to refer to him as The Predator or Predator? He does prey on things. Thus, Let's, he is, we could classify him as a Predator. Yeah. 
But is he? Is it a proper name? We're gonna. He doesn't. He doesn't care what, what we call him as long as we don't call him late for dinner. So why don't we okay. just go ahead and and call him Predator? Let's just get to the podcast. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so oh I mean, I had seen Predator uh, uh, years and years and years and years and years ago. I did not actually remember much about it. I actually, I will be confessional here. When I knew we were watching it, I was planning to watch it more out of a a, a kitschy factor than sure. like yeah yeah appreciation. And I was I was pleasantly taken with my enjoyment of the movie Predator. It's a it's a good movie. Yeah, I I really I really got into it. Uh, we'll get into some of the finer points, but that, especially that those last 30, 40 minutes. But overall, really strong. I want to throw a few trivial bits at you if I can do that. Can I oh, throw some bits? yeah, way? go ahead, go ahead, toss some bits. Did you did you did you know? This blew my mind, and I loved it, that Van Damme was originally cast as Predator. Yes, I did. Oh, my gosh. This is That's amazing. crazy. It's and crazy. That, and that, that the thinking was, because he was such a physical sort of star, that he would be able to use that physicality. Right, to right. His Martial artist, specifically. Well, two things. One, it became apparent when he was standing next to the mountains of body that are Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers. Um, that he was too slight physically <laughs> right, <laughs> and right. to, to be this imposing creature. Um, so one, that happened. Two, let me read this so I get this right. He allegedly voiced his reservations on numerous occasions regarding the fact he would not appear on camera without the suit. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. What a what a what an eighties action <laughs> what an 80s action star that is that's an action star moment if there ever was one. Oh, it's so true it's so true what I mean, i've like, got to wear this yeah. helmet the whole time where's my face ever gonna be on screen you know <laughs> that's how 80s action stars sound when they come out of their trailer well um, it's it's when you got too much steroids you're a bit you know like whatever so yeah like honestly like it's really funny because i enjoy van damme i like him but a lot of the reports that i hear from his behavior on set and i know at least one person who has had a pretty negative interaction with him. And uh, yeah, so uh, he, he sounds to me like he can be a bit of a handful. I'll leave it of at a, that. Of a Van Damme. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I, I, just, I don't know. I just love that. Like Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, almost Van Damme. You know? <laughs> and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Kevin Peter Hall, who plays the titular Predator, is not a name anyone ever knew again. But at least he was a team player. <laughs> <laughs> well, and did you know uh, about Kevin Peter Hall that he uh, is Harry in Harry and the Hendersons? He's he's the... Who knew? Wow. Who, wow. who could have known? He's, he's mean, like Doug Jones. He spent most of his career under <laughs> pounds and pounds of makeup. You know? so two, he's, there's, he's there's two movies he appeared in where he was a completely wow. masked, mandibled alien monster and then a completely... Harry, Harry, with his Hendersons. That's some bad hat, Harry. Who would have, who would have, who would have ever known that was the same actor? That's oh hilarious. I just yeah. love that. I love that you offered that as a counterpoint. Like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 Nathan. Wait, I mean, it was in something else. Kevin Peter Hall did go on to an illustrious career to have have lustrous hair in Harry as Harry in Harry and the Hendersons. I mean, <gasps> let us not forget he was also that other guy in the background in that other movie. Anyway. That's, that's actually true. That's right. Uh, 
<laughs> that's, 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 that's how it's listed in IMDb. That other guy in that other movie. Oh God, yes, exactly. With those people. But he's seven foot two. Oh my he's gosh. he's a giant. I mean, like that's that's nuts. Van Damme ain't got nothing on Kevin Peter. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Um, the other the other little bits I enjoyed is one that most of the cast and crew suffered diarrhea from the, Mex- <laughs> from the Mexican hotel they were staying in. Of all of the things <laughs> I that know, you point out, I know. that's going to be the one. That's a very that's a thing I would point out. Um, of course, of course, it is. I also love this story. That in an interview, Carl Weathers, he talked about how the actors would all like secretly wake up as early as 3 a.m. to work out. Yes. That Weathers yes. himself stated that he would act as if his physique was natural and would work out only after no other actors were around to watch yes. him work out. I'm yes. like, that is amazing. That oh is so that is so baller. Oh, it's so um, awesome. It's so awesome. Oh, so, so I have a trivial bit to insert. Yeah, please. <laughs> I love this story. I love this story. Anybody who has ever watched the film <laughs> Pumping Iron will know that this is right in line with this person's character. So basically, it, the wardrobe department told Jesse Ventura, um, like, "Oh, we need to we need to refit you." And uh, they said, "Yeah, your your arms are about two inches bigger than Arnold's." And so Ventura was all like what like are you kidding me he's like yeah 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 your your arms are about two inches bigger your biceps specifically are about two inches bigger than arnold's and so he starts talking all big he's all like you know whatever and he's and he he makes a bet where he's like okay he said i'm gonna he said we're gonna measure our arms right here in front of everybody and whoever has the bigger arm uh is uh, and and he didn't tell arnold that the wardrobe department right. had told him this but he's like whichever one of us has the bigger arm uh has to buy the other one a bottle of champagne right and so sure enough they do it and after losing to arnold discovers that arnold had told the wardrobe department to tell wow him that. wow <laughs> that's great so uh, now, yeah, how, does, how, does, how does that correlate to pumping iron oh uh, because in pumping iron arnold uh plays a lot of mind games with lou ferrigno like oh, just, just wow. basically yeah like he's so he's known like i i love arnold you could like, call him a smart cookie <laughs> so here's one of the things like I'll, I'll make this side comment then we'll dive back into trivial bits for predator because like I, I arnold schwarzenegger is one of those personalities that i just i just adore him like i like it's it's funny because you know people could could argue about the dings against his personal life you know his, his the dissolving of his marriage and uh, you could disagree with his politics whatever all of those other things it's just there's something there's a quality that he has that I just I just like the guy I just enjoy the guy um, he's made some spectacular movies and he's made some real duds but uh, I just really enjoy the guy and it's funny because you watch something like pumping iron and if anything will sort of push against my uh, unwavering affection for Arnold Schwarzenegger it's some of the sort of mind games that he plays with Lou Ferrigno and they're like saying like right before Lou Ferrigno is about to go out and pose Schwarzenegger will like plant something in his head like oh is, oh you're gonna do that pose oh okay no 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 no, 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 no. Like, you know just little little stuff like that I forget what specific things he does but he definitely like he's also playing the psychology game in right, addition right. to being authentic you know the authentic physical specimen that he's stereotyped as um, he's also you know really uh, skillful, a skillful psychologist in terms of just being able to wheedle in, and and he's very charismatic. And I hear uh, one final note on just Schwarzenegger, the man. Um, have you ever heard of a comedian named Gabriel Iglesias? 
If, uh, does that I name think, ring a bell? I think so. Uh, his nickname is Fluffy, but he's he's a really funny comedian, very funny. And uh, he talks about when he met Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's like, Schwarzenegger will make you feel like you're the most important person in the room. Like whenever he's looking at you, like he will make you feel like sincerely, like he will make you feel like there is nobody more important that he could possibly be speaking to in this moment than you. Like he said, he will shake your hand very firmly and he'll be like, hi, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm so happy to meet you. Oh, you've got such a great grip. You hurt my hand. Like he will do that to everybody (laughs) down the line. Like he's just a consummate sort of, you could call it the politician in him or whatever, but he's just like, he's just really charismatic and he just knows how to work a crowd and he's, and, and so I don't know. I, I, I like the guy. I like him. That's it's clear. Yes, I uh, like Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger. Do you, do you have any more bits that you would like to toss in the mix? No, I think I think my I think I'll close with that story about uh, Ventura and, and. I think that's and, a great story. I love that. I love that story. Well, so let's dive into this. Let's let's go read to the jungles. Let's go deep into the jungles and get lost. Uh, <laughs> the, s- s- the sweaty muscly you know just 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 jungle jungle (laughs) of jungles um so i mean it is hard for me to watch this movie and not like just see arrested development carl weathers jokes all over the place Um, (laughs) i I, I don't know if you how versed you are in early arrest development but like there's just oh i love carl weathers and arrested development yeah yeah that whole through line of tobias like being his protege and all this sort of oh stuff is really funny. They have, um, and it, you can drink as many as you want of this drink. <laughs> you get as many free refills as you want. <laughs> um, so I really did write. So this is this is also how Reed and I greet each other when Carl and Arnold do this in the movie. The 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 the, the air arm wrestle like that's yes that's all, oh yes that's, that's you and I. I mean that's yeah. just straight yeah. up us like every I, single time. Who, who knew? That's what in, that's what ingratiated me so early to this movie. I was like, "Oh, that's Man Reed." <laughs> um, and as listen, we know, you know, listeners like, do, listeners don't know that you're black. Actually, they they <laughs> haven't realized that. <laughs> it's so yeah. That's not me in all my Facebook pictures. It's, it's totally, <laughs> right, it's right, totally right, different. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, and and as we've learned last week, you know, like uh, usually I'm trying my hardest to win, and you're just like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. And you, just, you know, bowl me over. <laughs> rest, you and your CrossFit. And like, oh, Come on now, that's the second episode in a row you've mentioned that. Now you're <laughs> self-conscious. Um, <laughs> so. I'm playing so, live games with you now. Oh, no. Are you going to do that pose? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like I said, the first kind of 20 minutes or so of this movie, I was ready to be real cynical and jaded about it. And so some of the notes were along those lines, but then it takes a turn and I really enjoyed it. But I do love the Arnold hero close up of the lighting of the cigar when he's when the chopper's oh, touching yeah. down. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's it's so like, OK, y'all, you know, like it's, oh, yeah. it's just such a straight up. Um, it reminds me of. I, I really hated the movie Suicide Squad, but part of it feels like a throwback in that movie because Will Smith has all these like, it's like you can see the contract ink on the screen, you know? Like, yes. Yes. Okay. Now Will's got his close up. Like, it's just funny. Yep. So when I, so when I see these hero shots, like Arnold lighting the cigar in the helicopter, I think of Will Smith and Suicide Squad. That's true. I'll come now, back to that moment. Probably in my likes, dislikes. Do it. Do it. Well, we're in. Likes you want to do it? Now. Okay. All right. So, so. 
what I like what I like about the film is you know he's the first time we see him he's lighting the cigar and that is in stark contrast to the f- almost final shot of the film where he's in the helicopter in very much a similar position. He's reclining sure, sure. and he's very much in a similar position, but this time, you know, sans cigar and he is utterly devastated by what right. he's been by what he's been through and uh, that's probably going to show back up when we get to themes, but uh, I like Spoiler alert. Just, <sighs> um is it you was it you who told me on Stranger Things how some of the the character names or references it was this that like Hopper, uh, H- yeah, Hopper, and even Hawkins is one of the team members. Yes, absolutely. There's tons of yeah. There's tons of uh, Hopper and Hawkins are the ones that are that stand out to me immediately. But I think there are a few others. I'd need to look at the Stranger Things characters list. But uh, isn't there a Dylan in uh, yeah. Stranger Things? Yeah. Well, no, there's, no, no, no. There's there's not a Dylan in Stranger. Things. Is there not a Dylan in Stranger Things? I thought there was in season you're two. I need Friday, to. You're thinking of Friday Night Lights. Oh, okay. But I need to. <laughs> But I need to look at the character list. I think there are a few others that are specifically call-outs to Predator. But. Um, so, yeah, the Arnold close-up, the Stranger Things references. Stick around. That was an ad-lib. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Arnold's a clever guy, just like, knock, knock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's the line where he says, knock, knock, when he busts through a door. Oh, that's right. Um, knock, knock. I ain't got time to bleed. I just wrote that- down, like, one-liners. That that line, I ain't got time to bleed, is like one of the best testosterone ladled machismo ladled? lines. Ladled? Uh, saturated. La- do you ladle testosterone? Yeah. <laughs> I think gross. This, gross. <laughs> Some places do. They did in the eighties. Clearly, if they ladled it. Did this did right? Yes. Right. That green glowing goo that was testosterone ladled out into the so jungle. So I use like, words more for sound than meaning. What I do. meant was laden. But yes, I said I know. ladled. I know. So, it's just. Uh, it's just yeah. fun to needle you. Oh, see, there you go. While um, you attempt to ladle your testosterone. <laughs> but no, so like that—that <laughs> that is such a saturated, just macho line. Like he's like, "You're bleeding." He's like, "I ain't got time to bleed." Like that—that <laughs> that is something that only like alpha males say. Right, right, um, right, right. Yes. And and you want to be like, "Cool, bruh," you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, got it. Because Mac uses bruh all the time. Like, no, yeah, well, bruh. I love, I love. What I wrote down is Max saying goodbye to whoever dies. He says goodbye Blaine. to, to Blaine. Oh, is it Jesse to Ventura. Ventura? Yeah. And he just says goodbye, bro. And I'm it's like, goodbye, oh bro. my gosh, y'all. Y'all are y'all need y'all need to hug it out and <laughs> let let some of this testosterone ladle some of that testosterone off into some <laughs> other spot. Cause you need to get in touch with some other emotions so that you're not like bidding farewell to your 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 mercenary buddy as goodbye bro yeah goodbye bro um, I'll, see, I'll see you another life brother man you know what's so funny I, I i so cavalierly was like yeah we can move on from trivial bits and now i keep thinking of things i think it's ironic that the film started as the germ of an idea basically as a joke i'm sure you probably read this somewhere that it's like it started as a joke after the release of Rocky Four, where they were basically like, "Well, Rocky's fought every earthly opponent. Yes, and the only thing that yeah. he can fight is the only person he hasn't fought is ET." And then the writers, uh, Jim and Jane, or Jim and John Thompson, said, "Like oh, to the typewriter, <laughs> yeah, quick to the typewriter." So they basically wrote Predator on the base on you know out of this idea of like, "Oh yeah, uh, this is basically Rocky versus ET." Um, and I love that Carl Weathers you know apollo creed is actually in the movie i just i love that yes that's it's, in, he, it's a trivial slash likes dislikes because I, I do i do think you know like 
the the general construct of the film, which is you know used all over the place in storytelling, but you know a group is trapped off the grid and gets picked off by some sort of extra normal threat. I mean that's that's just a really strong convention, you know, storytelling right, right. convention. It's really executed well here, and and I do love that. Like if you go read the 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 trivial bits aka wikipedia.com like it talks about how grueling it was during doing the shoot i mean they were on location yeah they all suffered Um, yeah you know it was a really challenging uh shoot um i'm just moving through my likes dislikes here um i love talk about machismo talk about 80s talk about glistening bodies um (laughs) I love that right after Arnold chastises Carl Weathers, instead of complaining, maybe you should help. Like literally the the period hits the sentence of Arnold's admonition uh, admonishment to Dylan. The literal next shot is this glistening muscular black body where Carl Weathers has taken his shirt off to to pull the tripwire. <laughs> trap i just love it it's so funny it's like maybe you should help i'm gonna interpret that to mean get naked in the jungle and start (laughs) helping (laughs) it's just such a funny beat like you're being you're just you're such a stick in the mud you know dylan why don't you help us out it's like okay the the ambiguously gay rescue team um (laughs) well it even said that once arnold signed on to do the film they then began to search for like who are the most muscular machismo guys that we can come up with but then they they like hired uh richard chavez and i'm gonna look up his name so i don't get his name wrong uh they hired bill duke and then they hired sonny landham like to fill out the basically the diversity of the cast they were i mean they were hired obviously for their for their physiques um richard chavez is a little uh, slighter of frame than the rest of them but um but they were hired not only just because they were kind of machismo guys but because they were uh native american and uh bill duke helped round out the the black population in the cast they they really made an effort i mean you can call it admirable I love that. Call it, yeah, yeah. that they, they made an effort to be like yeah we want this team to be very diverse yeah, especially since there's only one woman in the entire film but yeah I, I liked that i thought that was pretty good so this is where my feelings on the movie started to pivot and, and in a good way. I mean, it was affectionate beforehand. It was appreciative after this. Um, I lo- I actually love that. Now, this speaks a little bit to my preconceptions coming in and less to the film itself. But I love that despite ostensibly uh, uh, Dutch. Is that Arnold? That's yeah. Arnold's Dutch. Despite that being a pretty beefcake role, clearly. I actually really love the heroism of the character. Like he's a very oh, selfless. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. There's no tongue in cheek. There's no like self-serving about that character. Like they really, they really commit to like, and, and I mean, part, part of that is scripting part of that's performance and maybe a lot of it's performance, but I just really loved like, he's very self-sacrificial. He's very giving, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just, just really looks out for his team and for her. I don't know. I just really love that. It's not, it, it, it is an eighties macho fest, but it also does have some, some substance to it as far as like, it's not just skin, it's not just skin deep read. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're hitting on a, a really prescient point is just that like uh, Dutch in the film is, is a genuinely good guy. 
Right. Like he's, you know, not only that, like his team, that's why he's so mad about why they were duped into this. You know, we didn't, we didn't do this uh, last episode with Jaws because everybody knows the plot of Jaws, but like the plot of Predator, if you've never actually sat down and watched Predator is uh, this like elite covert rescue team gets called in by the CIA to go deep into an undisclosed jungle. I actually don't think they disclose it, but I don't know for certain, but they, but I think it's an undisclosed location in the jungle um, where they're going to go deep embedded to, ho- to presumably rescue a CIA operative who has been captured there um, because Arnold's team, they are, they are rescuers. That's what they do. Um, and they even call out in they're that, down under they're de- yeah they're rescuers and they're down under um they get down under six feet down under so basically um what they do is in that scene where they have the map and they're kind of talking about it they even ask him carl uh, carl weathers who plays dylan even asks him he's like why did you turn down libya and he said because we're not assassins we're rescuers we're a rescue team we're not assassins and i gen- I, I i like that like it's a yeah. subtle touch but I like it. I like like this team of people who have an incredible skill set. Like they're the jobs they take are to go in and to rescue people. Um, that's what they do. And th- because they're great at it, they're g- being abused and misled into this other mission because the real purpose behind the mission is Dylan played by Carl Weathers is basically bringing them there under false pretenses because they want some Intel for uh, an upcoming, what they feel is a, a pending operation that their enemies are going to execute. And so they needed Arnold's team to go in so they could get that Intel and bring it back to the CIA. Um, unbeknownst to everyone involved there is a predatory alien in this jungle and he will skin people alive and rip their skeletons out and all of this sort of stuff. Yes. The, the, <laughs> so, the predator, <laughs> the predator. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's the basic premise of it. And so then they come in and once it's uncovered that the sort of the real truth behind this mission, as they're trying to make their way back to the chopper, when they're trying to get back to the chopper, the helicopter rendezvous point, that's when Predator begins to uh, pick them off one by one. <laughs> I thought this earlier and I keep forgetting to bring it up. There's a, I know it's been lampooned probably for years and years, but there's a great Jimmy Fallon show bit with Arnold on where they're basically making a fake kind of, um, uh, cooking show he and arnold oh yes yes yeah do you know what i'm talking about uh, yeah in the deep recesses of my brain I remember. yeah yeah and and there's just this stupid bit about get to the chopper because yes. things start going yeah. crazy and then he's hurry up and get vegetables. to the chopper right 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 yes. yeah anyway yes. so yeah that's, that's become that's, like a tagline for him in a lot of ways like i'll be back and like it's not a tumor like yeah get to the chopper is, is um and you tagline. know you know all of them um, <laughs> I love that it's clearly a stunt double falling from the waterfall when Dutch. Oh yes, that's just funny. I love for all the props I'll give certain aspects, <laughs> ways you know this movie was being sold to beefcake dudes. I love the transparency of Arnold in the mud, which is a great bit. But then the moment passes and he goes. He couldn't see me. You know, it's like... <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we we got it, Arnold. That, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty cool. And then you said that and you just like called it out. You know, it's like now it's a little less cool because well, you told you. us... You have to explain the joke. You know? Let me let me get this straight. You'd like the movie about the rescue operatives in the jungle being hunted by the predatory alien to be more subtle. 
<laughs> well, I just mean that one tiny bit where it's like, huh, I guess he couldn't see me. You know, it's like, uh, right. Yeah, that's what happened. We understand. Um, regardless, I do. Jeez, Reed. Um, wow. I do. I do love Muddy Arnold. Muddy Arnold is a <laughs> is a sounds feast. like a candy bar. <laughs> Ew. Or what happens after you eat the candy bar? Can we go to the store? And pick me up some Buddy Arnold's. <laughs> I had too many candy bars. You know, and now I got the know, Buddy Arnold's. You know what that sounds like? <laughs> Is the the predator at the end when he's laughing? Oh my gosh! I have no idea what that. What's up with that laugh? Like it's terrifying. It's, oh, it's, it's great. It's pretty. It's pretty frightening. But I like how it. it, it like it takes it loses almost every inch of its alien mechanism when it does that and it just becomes this just old man (laughs) just this insidious cackle like so yeah so he couldn't see me muddy arnold's go to the store and get some muddy arnold's um (laughs) i mean you kind of can't not kind of like arnold's war cry i mean that's oh right when he lights the torch after he's set all the traps yes that's that's pretty epic although one of my favorite uh moments in the movie is the predator skulking past him you know mm-hmm. when he's yeah. when he set up the the traps and stuff i think my final like and it's a major one not remembering much about the movie other than the general tone and flavor and sweat <laughs> is i had forgotten the magnificence of that last 30 minutes oh right 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 yeah you know, when the fight comes down pretty much just to dutch and predator yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't even mean just that. I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, like it is, I, I think what's, as much as I'm a fan of the sort of blockbuster world we find ourselves in, there is a legitimate complaint to be made about a lot of the action movies that get made these days and the discernibility of what actually happens on screen. You know, oh, like, sure. Right, 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 right. Like I can't, I remember our, our, our mutual friend and teacher, Keith Cassidy, talking about Batman Begins, which I actually love. I think it was him talking about that movie about how hard it is to even know what's happening in some of the fight mm, scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. Which I, which, which I love. I th- it feels like they overcorrect a little bit in the subsequent ones, but nonetheless, one of the things I loved about predator is that last half hour showdown. Like you, you are never confused about, right. you know, everything, what right. is happening on screen, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just, I don't know. May, I think part of this is, the CGI world we live in where the things we're watching on screen aren't real. Um, sure. That right. It right, can right. get a little muddy like a, like Arnold um, to know <laughs> what Arnold muddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, to know what's happening on screen. But I just loved how every little beat was well choreographed. I mean, the, gosh, the sequence of the, I don't remember what has actually happened, but there's a shot where the predator is in, profile and it's a wide shot and he's on the log and there's just these explosions happening or the the electricity or the fireworks or something going off yes uh i forget exactly what arnold has rigged but arnold's yeah, rigged yeah. a series of explode of explosives and predator stumbles into them and so there's a shot of arnold running away from that while predator has is like basically being ass- uh, assaulted by these explosions yeah, that he yeah. stumbled into. And it's great because the only real light in the, in the shot are the explosions yeah, and they're, yeah. they're in silhouette, but you're right. You can still see all of the action that's taking place. You're not confused about what's happening. A lesser filmmaker might've 
use the opportunity for like diversionary close-ups and stuff like that. But that that shot is just a, a pan back. Yeah. You see Arnold running away from everything that's that's taking place. And I will use that to pivot into one of my major likes. Is I just he only made eleven films. He's only got eleven film credits. But I love John McTiernan's style in some of these action films. He made what I consider to be, uh, if not the greatest, one of the greatest action films of all time in Die Hard. And um, and Predator is. I mean, he just has such a strong knack for how to handle action storytelling. And one of the things I love, you talked about how maybe it's because we live in such a CG um, laden world right now. (laughs) But, um, but I mean, good Lord, Stan Winston again with with the makeup. I mean, the predator makeup is iconic and it's incredible. And, and the fact, and I guess the, um, you know, the previous Predator suit when Van Damme was wearing it was very, uh, you know, like I've heard a couple of different descriptions like the face was I've heard descriptions that the face was like a dog and some that it was like a duck and that that in, the entire thing was sort of more uh, animalistic. I really, really wish I could watch the Predator movie where the Predator is a giant monstrous duck like that <laughs> just has quack, quack, mother you know like that is so like an arnold 80s line right there that's that is terrible oh yeah speaking of like lines and this i mean it's in the midst of a great moment but when he just whacks the predator with the um the log and then he looks at bad idea like yeah yeah lots of little one-liners but um but yeah i mean getting back to it did you know or did you read in your in your research that actually the the mandible element of his mouth was an idea from james cameron did you? Uh, yes, that? I did see that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so yeah, but but Stan Winston designed Predator's makeup look, and he looks horrific. He yes. looks terrifying. Um, he's very scary. I remember like, you know, there's there could be an argument. I could hear people making an argument of like, well, this is really an action film. But I'm like, man, this is a slasher. This is a creature feature, and it's a slasher. It's absolutely a horror film. But if you doubt that it's a horror film, watch the sequence in which Predator systematically takes off his mask. And then you see his face full bore and then with Arnold pressed against a tree, like what's about to happen next. Then when he just widens his arms and gives that howl and yeah, begins to great. come at that's him. Yeah. Oh man, it's, it's terrifying. That's because again, the actor was like seven foot two. So he's an, a very imposing figure on the screen. And it's, that's a fantastic moment. That's a really creepy moment. Very effective. Well, let's, let's uh, skim some scares real quick. You know, as you just classified this strictly as horror, what were some uh, scary moments for you? Well, I think most of the deaths are usually uh, are kind of frightening or startling, as it were. Um, I, I really, I, th- I really think if I'm going for like pure scares, wh- some of the ones that really stand out to me are um, uh, when Dylan dies. The sequence when Mac is crawling under the That's Mac great. is crawling yeah. under the thing. He sees the the red dots on his arm, but then when he just peeks out to see what else is there, his eyes widen. And then there's, I mean, it's a really graphic movie if you guys haven't seen it, Um, but his eyes widen and then the next shot is from behind his head as his head sort of explodes from behind when the predator blasts him. Um, Really startling and unnerving. I love love how the predator is just like a total baller in that shot because like Mac thinks he's like stealthily sneaking up on him only to find that he's like literally hovering right over him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it cut after that head head shot. It cuts to the invisible predator just being like peace, you know, and he walks off the. Uh, yeah, and then he just frame. trots away. Trots I away. did. I did think, and we can, um, 
Well, despining Billy is pretty nasty. Um, but oh yeah. Um, I do think maybe as our last beat here on scares, and unless you've got something else, and we can pivot into themes, is I think Dylan should enter. Read. Bing, 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 bing. A new contender for our best deaths list. You know, we talked oh. about we talked about John Hurt and Alien. Yes, that's uh, a good death. I would give Carl Weathers Dylan in Predator. I would make him a contender in best deaths list. Oh, you'll get no arguments from me. You'll get no arguments from me because for those that of you who epic. have not seen, yeah, it is pretty epic. For those of you who have not seen it, it's and some of the shots are in slow motion. It's yeah. it's crazy. It's great. So he's he's pivoting his uh, assault weapon up to fire at the predator once he's seen it because the predator is just standing there and it's crazy because the predator is standing there and like flashes his eyes kind of like come at me bro you know like he flashes (laughs) his eyes yeah bro and then in slow motion like dylan brings up the weapon but then predator fires a plasma blast and then you see dylan's arm just go while it is still firing the assault rifle and it like falls and the arm you know, falls down as Dylan's like screaming or whatever. And then as he flips around and unholsters the other one, you see his like half an arm where that's been taken off uh, before predator finally like gets him with these big like Wolverine's blades. Yeah. He basically Wolverine's him. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, So yeah, I I will, you will have no arguments for me for contention of best best death scene, because that is, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty horrendous. Um, we'll, we'll ladle that one onto the list. Um, <laughs> oh, any, uh, any any other scares? What you got? What you think? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned and praised necessarily so, and I would agree with all this. Um, the last thirty minutes, I think most of the horror of it, most of the I should maybe not horror, uh, most of the terror of the movie, moments that I would consider to be genuinely scary, do take place in that final fight between Dutch and Predator because. I mean, you, you kind of get the sense that, like, okay, it's Arnold, so Arnold is probably at least going to fare better than the rest of his crew, but his crew was dispensed so easily. His right. crew was, like, was wiped out so systematically and so easily, uh, only getting a few key shots in on the Predator. So when Arnold is, like, being chased and the thermal imaging is, like, right on top of him, yeah, and it, it yeah. like you, you feel like Predator's about to just, like, reach out and grab him, and then he falls down the the cliffside and all i'm saying is that there's lots of moments in that where uh because then there's that then there's the mud sequence uh there's all of the shots towards the end after predator has demasked himself and and uh there's lots of just moments that i would point to and say like that is genuine suspense and terror yeah uh and 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 they're very effective in general well it's funny you mentioned the infrared shots um something i really noticed and and maybe I I don't know know enough about McTiernan's oeuvre to to know how intentional something a choice like this might be, but we'll we'll give him some credit here and say maybe it was very intentional for a movie that's all about giant muscular male glistening bodies. <laughs> did you did you notice when it cut when the predator is is just beating the tar out of Arnold? Oh and yeah, it, and it's cutting to those infrared shots. The audio of Arnold's mm. vocalizations are very non-masculine, non-macho. It's this, the, the audio is kind of tinny. It's very mousy. It's like, oh. it's like this very, if that's I can use the word, a very emasculated kind of sound. That, oh, that's I mean, interesting. It's, uh, 
in film, it's created by the distortion effect of of what how Predator is view, is seeing the world. Sure, sure. I but see what you're saying. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. really interesting juxtaposition of the the macho element of the film with the most macho action star on the planet having these very emasculated vocalizations as he's being beat to death sure. by this yeah, predator. Of I, don't, I don't know. It was a really interesting, uh, that really is pretty interesting, interesting. audio yeah. choice there. And uh, yeah, it is. I hadn't thought of it in those contexts, but you're very right. And the film is kind of deal. I mean, we, we joke about it. Uh, we've joked about it several times, but, I made a joke to you off pod that maybe wasn't a good joke, but I'm gonna say it again anyway. It's like that no! that the, that the film was, <laughs> that the film was basically uh, it was basically filmed on 16 millimeter testosterone. Like it was just basically like there's so much machismo in this film, but I do feel like there's something. Um, and if if you're okay pivoting to themes, yep. Um, I do feel like there is something the film has to say. Uh, whether accidentally or otherwise, I feel like there's some things the film has to say about the limits of that alpha male sort of territorialism. Sure. Um, that that now again, it, it's like I'm kind of forming these thoughts in real time because I think it is also significant that this is a rescue team. This this is a team of people who uh, let me not be. Let me not paint them too benevolently, because even in the midst of rescue, they go in and and obliterate like sixty or seventy people from that that campsite where they go in when they think they're on a rescue mission. They just wipe out a whole bunch of people. But in general, their their thrust as a team is behind rescuing people and by, behind some degree of of benevolence. I even think we talked about how Dutch is just basically a kind of a good guy when he puts together that the predator will not attack or kill someone who's not armed because there's no sport in it. So when he puts that together and then Anna, the hostage that they take picks up the gun to try to help and Arnold kicks it out of her hand, you know, like, and, and he just sort of like, Hey, let me, let me handle this. And he kicks it out of her hand. Um, and then that's right before his famous, like, no go, you know, get to the chopper, you know, like, (laughs) um, but but I, I, passing aside that, and that's just one more evidence that Dutch is you know basically a good guy. I do think the film has got some interesting things to say about the futility of that that degree of alpha male territorialism, as it were, because these guys all come in; they're the best. They're this elite covert team, and when they come in from you know very quickly after they arrive in the jungle, they see this former Green Beret team that has been nastily so that they've been murdered and actually flayed alive uh, which is horrifying so they find them and then I like how in the film it kind of shows us their fear it uh, some of them get you know they kind of try to stay machismo but for the most part after the first couple of them die like Billy gets really spooked and Mac displays a lot of sort of frightened vulnerability as it were. And I like that the film has this sort of subtle undercurrent of there are limits to this sort of gruff. I'm a man's man and I'm going to get in and I'm going to take care of business. Um, I like that the film kind of maybe unintentionally subverts a lot of that as one by one, they just get obliterated and picked off. Um, And even you could say like, well, yeah, but Arnold makes it and Arnold survives but then you point out when he's being beat up this this sound of his vocalizations as he's just being trounced around and as he's being uh, basically ragdolled. And then when he wins, 
he ultimately wins almost kind of by accident. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, totally. and and so, I mean, he does he does win, but he wins by accident. And even after that, I referenced very briefly that shot. The first time we see Arnold, he's lighting the cigar. He's got the shades. He is cool as a cucumber. And then the last time we see him, he's standing in this jungled wasteland. But then he's in this helicopter, uh, exhausted and devastated and beat down. And I think here's what's interesting. I'm picturing a different version of that shot that does not exist. I'm picturing a different version of that shot where Arnold is sitting up buff muscles you know in full display you know looking down gruffly like yeah i'll teach that predator to mess with me you know i've you know basically he's won the fight and whatever but that's not the shot we get the shot we get is of arnold laying back exhausted but not only physically exhausted clearly in his eyes and in his face emotionally exhausted mentally exhausted he is drained of all of every inch of the machismo that he and the rest of his team came in with and i don't think that's insignificant i think that's that's something that the film is whether intentional or otherwise i think that's something the film is playing with uh in its narrative that that whole sort of idea of maybe it's not real maybe there are some things which the alpha male can't just step in and take care of business. Um, and maybe there are things that are, you know, more dangerous, more sensitive, uh, more just, Hey, we can't, this is beyond our scope. This is beyond our reach. So I don't know uh, th- that, that thought is kind of half forming in real time, but I think that's very interesting. Uh, something's going on with this. So you're saying you just, we, you think we need a bigger Arnold. <laughs> the joke doesn't get new again just because it's next week <laughs> um so uh, yes i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, tether one of these thoughts to what you were just saying and and also just reiterate something you had already said I, to me it really spoke volumes I, i'll i'll state this and kind of as its own little pocket and then pivot back into what you were just saying I mean, the line of we're a rescue team, we're not assassins really stood out to me pretty heavily um, in a way that makes me think about how in a, in a faith context or in a just real world context, as in like a not an 80s action movie context, there's a certain sort of sobering that comes from recognizing that as long as our mutual goal is rescue, it is okay for our methods to differ. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, you know, I, I, uh, at least in theory, I'm, I'm far more of a pacifist than ever would be considered for Arnold's team. And so on the one hand, it's like, Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's violence and guns and hostility and aggression, but you're a rescue team. And, and, and while I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything this team will do, their, their intention is the saving. And I think there's yeah. something really potent about that that is surprising for the nature of this movie. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. Because like, the film doesn't have to be... Right, I, right. I don't want to disrupt your theme, but like no. the, yeah, the film does not have to be them as a rescue team. That That is not a necessary element of the film because all it plays out in the film is that they are brought here under false pretenses With just a few lines changed, you could easily make them, yeah, we're assassins and we're the best. Right, 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 right. And and I could see somebody making a case for like, well, you're not the best assassin because now you're being hunted. And that could have easily tilted 
and been the the tone that they have but it's not it's i i, I think it's it's important that that they are rescuers and i think you're scratching at something pretty interesting that even though our idea of what rescue is supposed to look like may differ you're well, still well no and, and and i know you're saying this but i think to really articulate that better would be the methods by which we achieve rescue may differ some if ah, our goal yes. is if our goal is rescue perhaps there's more common ground than i'd sometimes care to admit i think is sort of yeah. what i'm scratching at but the other thing to sort of to sort of try to tether this a little bit to what you were saying in terms of the limits of you know you didn't use this word but masculinity but or, or you know might as right um yeah I will admit initially I was hunting for theme when this stump, when I stumbled on this scene, but I don't think it's for nothing that it hasn't left me. There is something about the futility of the volume of force expended when Jesse Ventura's death happens by the team into the world, into the jungle. Oh yeah. 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 Like, That's an interesting scene. Yeah, yeah. And let's camp out on that because I think it's scratching at what you were talking about. Like it's, it's almost the definition of 80s action movie and yet subverts it too. You right. Know, like, like, because it's not successful. Right. right. There's nothing successful about it at all. I mean, they, yes. they at best sort of wing the, the predator uh, mm-hmm. and that, that may be a generous take on that, but it's just so, it so stands out to me. The, the sheer volume of hostility and aggression and metal and gunpowder expended in a singular direction that achieves nothing and Mm -hmm. i think i think you know you're correct me if i'm wrong but you're sort of scratching at this notion of the limits of masculinity or the limits of alpha expression of masculinity like that is them emoting that is an emotional Mm. expression by those characters who don't really have an outlet to express their emotions Ah, yes yeah you're right you're right. You know, Mac they, is Mac is very much reacting to the grief of seeing Blaine die because Blaine, you know, they're all they're a team. So they're all kind of friends. But it's it's made it's called out in the film that Mac and Blaine are kind of friends separate to this. Like maybe it's hinted at that maybe before they joined this team, they were on other teams together and that they've got a lot of history with each other. And so Mac is very much, you know, he picks up that, you know, they call it old painless but he picks up that big gatling gun and yeah he's very much it's it's a a force of emotion that is causing him to fuel that in and then everybody else joins in but you're you're totally you're totally right it's a it's it's almost more an act of emotion there's nothing strategic about it it is pure just vehemence and and like we can't express how we feel about this so this is uh, so we're just gonna mow it all down which i feel like is is frequently a stereotypical it's stereotypically applied to men, but I think that's a very human response that people sometimes have where it's like when they feel helpless, I feel like sometimes when people feel helpless and there's sudden, there's a suddenness and maybe I'm talking a lot about the limits of masculinity because this film again was filmed on like right. 16 millimeter testosterone, but, um, they just, they but, just kept ladling it on to the film. They just kept Sorry. ladling it on. Yes, exactly. They ladled it until it was laden. So then, 
um, the 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 thing that maybe is more appropriate to what I'm scratching at are the limits of the illusion of our control. The mm-hmm. limit yeah. the, the yeah. limits that there are situations in which, with all of our skills and with all of our ability to navigate them, we can just go in and take care of business. And whether you're you know a man, a woman, whatever whatever station you are in life, whatever your personality or attitude, like there are limits to what you can control. And I do think that is an overt. Uh, subtext of the film is that yeah they've they've stepped into the you know what I thought of a lot and this is not the scripture that I'm kind of scratching at but I actually kept thinking of uh, I'm, I'm not building some big thematic point here it's just a metaphorical allusion to this I kept thinking of David and Goliath and specifically like the moment in scripture in first Samuel when the Philistines show up to battle and the Israelites show up to battle and they're, there's a valley in between them and they're encamped on two different sides. And when the Israelites show up, the, the Israelites, the ones that show up, they are warriors. They have been accustomed to battle. They have fought and won before. And so they show up to the battle and the Philistines are over on the other side. So they're prepared to fight. They're ready to fight. But then in the scripture is when Goliath kind of emerges from the group and the Israelites are crippled with fear because they don't know how to handle Goliath. And it's interesting to me. I've, I've frequently thought when I've read that passage about that specific moment, about this moment where it's like, Oh man, you know, we we're accustomed to war and we're accustomed to fighting and we know how to handle all these other things, but we don't know how to deal with the 10 foot Goliath that's over on the other side of the camp. So we're crippled by that because we we don't know how to handle that. We don't know how to deal with that. And I think there's something that you could probably make a parallel in this film of this idea of like these are these are the best at what they do. But they don't know how to handle a camouflaged extraterrestrial, uh, you know, predator, which that's, a you know, can we just pause and and say this movie is way better than it has any right to be. (laughs) But but it's it, it is I think we we it upends us sometimes when we are navigating through situations that we have very much under control. But then suddenly in the midst of those elements that we should be in control of, then a new element is introduced that we don't know how to control. And I'm thinking back to that scene in the jungle, and that's often our reaction when that happens. Like, it's it just this outburst of rage. I can't control this, so I don't know what to do. So I'm just, I'm just reacting. I'm just right, uh, right. spewing forth everything that I have because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Um, and I think we could talk a lot about masculinity, but I do think that is a more human characteristic that I think all of humanity has the tendency to respond in that way when they're navigating things that should be under their, like in their hand, in their grasp, and suddenly it's out of their control. And I think it's very easy to suddenly slide into a, a, a vehement expression of, well now, yeah, now I don't know what to do. And I think that's, I don't know. I think it's, it's something that's worth, I think it's worth us knowing those of us who are, gifted with more confidence, those of us who are gifted with greater skill sets in various areas. I think it's worth noting that at any given time, to quote uh, the poet uh, Ian Malcolm, uh, life can find a way sometimes to uh, basically I actually some- think Ian Malcolm says life will find a way but nonetheless. Yes, ahead. no, he says life finds a way. Is that, yeah, right, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so, but, uh, but life sometimes finds a way of introducing elements that we can't control elements of sickness elements of 
uh, financial disparity, elements of uh, you know unexpected loss. There are things that suddenly come in that are uh, that are decidedly not in our control, and feel like uh, maybe this is a stretch. Maybe it's not. Feel like it's like hunting us. I don't want to get too dramatic on it, but I've joked sometimes where I've said, like, man, this day is out to get me or this week is out to get me. And it's just a joke. It's just a passing thought. But it sometimes feels like, man, like, I just can't do anything right today. Like, everything out of my mouth is offending somebody. Everything I put my hand to is just not working. And and sometimes you go through those time periods. You go through those seasons. And I think sometimes it does feel like when situations get out of control, like something, some otherness is uh, preying on you, is is coming after you. And uh, I don't know. Uh, we're explorers. We're not explainers. I don't know necessarily <laughs> how to how to uh, you know adjust for all of that. But I do think that's that's a condition that we can commonly find ourselves in, where we're suddenly just in, in, thrust into a situation that is not what we thought it was, and now there is a threat beyond our understanding, sure. and and we don't know how to we don't know how to navigate it. And I think that happens on micro and macro levels. You just got to pick up old painless. <laughs> just pick up because you ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. It, I don't know if you have some more thoughts to add, or if you if you want to dig in a little bit more. But uh, but I mean that that's kind of. I don't know. That's kind of what my takeaway is at the moment about about predator. And maybe you know, like I had a couple of other scriptures that maybe I could bring in, but maybe I'll leave it at that notion of when the Israelites stared at the Philistines and then suddenly a Goliath emerged from the camp that they were suddenly struck with fear. These battle ready soldiers were suddenly struck with terror and he mocked everything that they were, you know, this is again, the story of David and Goliath. Goliath mocked everything that they believed in, everything that they held sacred. Um, He mocked their God. He mocked their faith. He mocked their abilities and uh, not to get too preachy, but, Again, it's the age-old underdog story. What comes in and, and undermines the threat, but the last thing you would possibly expect it to be, um, and that's you know this this person of David who uh, the the quote is, "You come at me with a spear and sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord." Um, I think sometimes, and maybe I'll button it on this, and maybe we can just end it here. I think sometimes when we get into situations that are beyond our control that we don't understand. Life has thrown us a curveball. I think sometimes we have to a lean on something beyond ourselves, like lean on lean on something that is uh, above or beyond our own capacity within ourselves. Sure, and and lean on something that is beyond us. Uh, for you, that may be the Lord. That that's what it is for us. For you, that may be the Lord. For you, that may be family. For you, that may be other things. We would certainly uh, posit that it is uh, recommend leaning on the Lord. But uh, you need to lean on something beyond you, and I think at the uh, the the other end of it is it may take something completely surprising and uh, and unexpected, as in how Dutch ultimately defeats Predator uh, to ultimately win the day and to ultimately win the fight. So yeah, I mean just some just some passing thoughts on a bunch of sweaty men in the jungle fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see when I, I always read when the predator demasks and and you know kind of hunches and puts his arms out, he's just wanting a hug right there. Like he's here we ready. go. Here we go. A, he wants a hug. Like, come give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 
like, he's like, what are you doing? I just want to play with you. I'm playing yeah, tag. And when, I'm sorry, and when, it hurts. When he starts laughing, he's just re- he's realizing the joke Arnold made earlier in the movie. It, like he actually fully expected Arnold to stop the button so that they could keep playing. But, yeah, like, yeah. He's like, away, he's like, oh no, whatever. No, really. Ha ha ha. Turn it off. No, really. Please. Oh my God. <laughs> we are not going to turn Predator into the normal activity demon. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going right. to happen. It's all right. But it does look like he wants a hug there in that final moment. It does. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I think we. I think we can. We can leave it there. I'd be very curious to hear some listeners' thoughts on that. Um, and I do want to speak very poorly and very flimsily uh want to speak to that to that notion that uh, you know if you are going through a season that you feel like something is out of out of your control whether on your job or in your family or with your health or with the health of a loved one uh with your finances or anything if you're going through something that feels a bit out of your control um i do want to reemphasize that you that there are outlets that you can reach out for help uh that it's not it doesn't have you don't have to feel like you're dutch alone in the jungle getting beat up because we all we all are going to reach places where we are beyond our own capacity to deal with a situation. And I just want to encourage somebody out there, reach out to your community, reach out to friends, reach out to family members, reach out to your local church, reach out to uh, whatever outlets you can find. Don't feel like you have to struggle through it alone. Don't feel like you're lost out in the jungle. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So so I think, I think I better stop. I think I better stop. So um, do you want to bring in our friend old, uh, David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> no, you do it. I mean, you're there. It's like <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. Oh my gosh! I'm wow. not gonna do. I, I don't think what we should do episode. all of David S. Pumpkins. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, know, right? I don't so, think we should do all of David S. Pumpkins in the. We're gonna bring in David S. Pumpkins, who measures every movie we watch on a scale of style, scares, and substance on a ranking of zero to five. So, read for 1980 whatever's John McTiernan's Predator. What do you give this movie for style? I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna surprise you. I'm actually gonna give this movie a five for style. Here's the thing: it's an action film. It is, you know, it's not really aiming for something terribly profound, but it is extremely effective at what it's trying to do. Everything about what it's trying to do, it works, and it's so simple and tight, and and I love it. I'm actually, I'm actually gonna give it a five for style. I am actually going to give it a four for style. No, and All right. Understand that when I queued that movie up, I would have, I, if you'd said, what do you think you're going to give this for style? I would have been like, I don't know, three. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's solid. Raised a whole it's, point. It's fun. Hey, when there's only five points, one point that's is true. a lot. That's, that's right. Tw- that's 20%. It's 20%. Yeah, um, you're, right. you're right. I had to think about it for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in scares, though... I am going to settle at a three. I mean, it is right. on the pie chart of action versus horror. I would say it's still about 80% action. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, now what is there that's scary? I mean, the uh, Stan Winston's work alone earns that those, those three points. I mean, it's oh, absolutely. A magnificent, yeah, absolutely. a magnificent creature design. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I'm going to give it a three and a half for scares, um, but I, I feel the same way you do. It's like it is primarily action, 
Um, and I think most of the horror really comes in in the last half hour. I mean, you could you could argue that when he's picking them off one by one, that's some scary stuff. Um, but I still feel like that falls m- slightly more into the action camp than into the horror camp. And it's more when it's Dutch versus him that it is um, that it is more sort of horror. So, yeah, three and a half for me for scares. Uh, and what about uh, finish out for us the substance category? So, uh, so substance. I, I think most of what I'm gleaming from it is are things that we probably brought to the table on it. Um, it is it, when it was first released, it was criticized for kind of a paper thin plot or like a simplistic plot. I think there's some metaphors that are definitely worth exploring in both the character of Predator and in this particular plot line. And lest it go unsaid, like if you can handle blood and guts, this is a highly recommendable movie. Like sure. if you like sure. if you can handle the blood and guts, like this is a very easy movie to recommend in terms of that that style. So but for substance, I'm, I'm probably going to land at about a three. I actually will land at a two and a half for substance. I think, okay. I, I, which sounds like a, a, a slight. It's just it is thin on substance, sure. and it takes a little bit of work to to get to what is there. Yeah, no, I agree. That brings uh, John McTiernan's Predator and Part Two of the Fear of God hashtag Monster Mash series a seven out of ten. David S. Pumpkins. Hey. Da, 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 da. Seven's the number of perfection, you know? like Indeed it is. Indeed and, it is. And perhaps the Predator is perfect. Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, at, at minimum, we can say it's got a Muddy Arnold in it, you know? <laughs> so so oh that's, that's awesome. Well, Reed, this is fun. I am glad we are, um, you know, venturing forth into the monsters, the literal monsters we've talked about for two years and, and, and finally giving them their day uh, in the Monster Absolutely. Mash series. Um, we've got four more in this series. Stay tuned till next week to find out what the next installment is in hashtag Monster Mash. And thank you guys for joining us for Predator. We, we appreciate it very much. And remember, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But it's not the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, yep. I don't know how many more times I'm going to get to do that. I know, I know, I know. Is there, is there, do you need to get anything else out right now with that? Like, do you need to? I, I, I do, but I need to stop. I okay, stop. okay. <laughs> I can't go on. I can't go on. I'm going. I'm going to go on. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So uh, stay tuned for next week, and uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. Bye. We'll, we'll be back. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you.